Hi guys, welcome to part two of our obesity and nutrition uh, podcast. And yeah, thank you for your attention and for coming to the podcast today. So this one will be a follow up from our previous podcast. And if you've not listened to it yet, definitely go check it out. Um, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all kinds of platforms as well. But with me today, I've got George. How are you doing, George? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Mikey. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Good to hear. But um, but yeah, let's kick thing, let's kick things off then. Um, yeah, would you like to just uh, tell everyone what we're going to talk about or follow up on today? Yeah, so I think you introduced it quite nicely. This yeah. is just a part to follow up with some research that we've we've done for you guys. Um, Mikey's also doing a, a unit or module at University at the moment, which is kind of linked, so he'll chuck in some of his evidence there as well. But yeah, um, we're going to look in particular behaviour links, what causes obesity from a behavioural point of view. We'll chuck in some psychological viewpoints that may affect it as well, mm. uh, and hopefully provide you guys with some solutions to how to ultimately overcome the global epidemic that is obesity. So. Mikey, did you want to hit us off maybe with your first sort of insights to maybe what causes obesity or any information that you have? Yeah, sure thing. So um, I think last uh, episode, we or the last part one uh, we've done, we talk, we just gave some statistics about um, obesity, especially the prevalence of obesity. And I think I mentioned that, you know, there's about in the year 2017-18, there was about um, 10,660 hospital admissions directly related to obesity, 29% of adults and uh, 20% of year 6 students were obese compared to 2016 figures. Um, and furthermore, if we break that down, if we break down the hospital admissions, I think last uh, episode I've mentioned that most of them were female. So um, yeah, the hospital admissions that were directly related to obesity, it was about 74% uh, female and the ones where obesity is as a factor uh, of that diagnosis is about, I think, 66%. hope I'm right, but I think that sounds about right. And, um, and yeah, I've just went along, found a couple of studies, um, especially one from uh, 1997 by Wamala, Wolk, and I can't really pronounce that name. But um, they investigated the relationship between overweight and obese um, uh, Swedish women. Uh, in relation with their social economical status, so you know, like their their living you know living standards, uh, their level of education. But I think so, uh, solely in this study, where they looked at three hundred women aged uh, thirty to sixty five, they looked at um, the aggregate of education and occupation as representation uh, representation of um, social economic uh, status. So basically how much, you know, what their education is and what their job is. And that's going to represent, you know, how, you know, if they're like low, medium or high in terms of, um, you know, socioeconomics. And what they found was that um, in the low socioeconomical uh, status is a strong predictor of obesity. And, um, and yeah, this is associated with, uh, I think, 53%. So they, they've, they've had many factors, like factors such as um, unhealthy eating habits, low self-esteem, poor quality of life, and job st uh, strain are all associated with obesity. And these factors accounted for 53% of the low uh, socio-economical group. So that's like crazy. So half of, the low, half of that group is due to these factors, those factors that I've just mentioned. Wow. But yeah, that's so... Yeah, and that's just like um, 
yeah that's just like everyday everyday stuff isn't it so like job strain so you know you, you want to reduce the stress so from this study you could just like take you know uh, you know you're being stressed could lead to obesity so that's one factor as well yeah. as obviously for sure. sorry yeah no for sure yeah, yeah. but um, yeah as well as like obviously the most obvious one unhealthy eating habits um, as well as low self-esteem as well and just like psychological elements that will contribute to you know the increasing rates of obesity yeah and just extending on from that point Mikey I think it's because obesity is so psychologically weighted, mm. there's so much psychological orientation around the area of obesity that there's going to be reciprocal effects whereby, you know, you gain weight and then that yeah. causes more stress because all of a sudden you're aware of the fact you're gaining weight and because of how society deems our body image and et cetera, et cetera, that causes us stress, internal stress. Mm. Um, so it has like a reciprocal effect. And obviously when we're stressed, that causes us to want to, you know, crave these these foods, high in fat and sugar, um, because they, they bring us pleasure, uh, release of dopamine. So it's, yeah, it's a vicious cycle. And it's very hard, because once you're in that vicious cycle, it's not always easy to get out. Mm. Uh, but as we'll probably look into towards the latter half of this podcast, um, we'll, we'll look into those sort of solutions. But if it's okay, Mikey, with you, I wanted just to kind of provide the people with a little insight into what, into what I found. Yeah, definitely, uh, mate. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you found as well. Yeah, sure. So basically this, this study, it's, uh, it's got an interesting title. Yeah. It's called couch potatoes or french fries, and it's looking at if sedentary behaviours are associated with the body mass index, physical activity, and dietary behaviours among adolescents. So before I go on to kind of find, you know, just describe the findings, body mass index then, so BMI in short, is basically um, looking at one's height and body mass in proportion to another mm. um, so that's how you know BMI is the measure of how um, it's the measure of our body mass so obesity is only concluded as a result of a BMI that's greater than 30 I believe correct me if I'm wrong yeah um, so it's done it provides a quantitative means of explaining one's body mass in essence um, so anyway, moving on to what this, this particular study found. So the, the outcome of the study found that high television, so it's looking at use of social media, uh, television use and, and video gaming. Mm. So the investigation was conducted on boys and girls and they found that the high television and video use among the boys and girls was associated with more unhe unhealthy dietary behaviours. So therefore, the more that one would consume the use of the TV um, or video gaming, the more likely they're going to have unhealthy dietary behaviours, some of which in include um, the increased consumption of soft drinks, yeah. fried foods and snacks, etc. Uh, in contrast though, this is quite interesting, time spent reading and or doing homework was associated with more Helpful 
dietary behaviors such as increased consumption of fruits and veg mm. so that's very interesting in my opinion because it, it demonstrates that there's an association between the type of behavior that children engage with can actually have a uh, have an effect on on the type of dietary behaviors that they that they do so yeah if you're doing something positive like reading or, or homework there's an association with that with the increased consumption of healthier food choices so i mean i found that very interesting personally but mm. i don't know what your opinion on that is mikey no i definitely agree like um you know we all know like you know if you eat fruits and veggies got like the micronutrients and all those micronutrients especially is good you know for your health and everything and you know cognitive function is a big part of it as well um and yeah i think you've hit a spot a spot on there with that you know journal article that you know positive behavior reciprocates you know if done properly it repeats and you know if you get yourself into a good routine and especially with your nutrition you are just gonna improve your you know standard of living um, and you know, as I mentioned earlier from the study that I've looked at as well, is um, it's psychological factors. You know, uh, self-esteem uh, as well as quality of life as well. You know, all of these external and like internal things it affects. You know, whether you know how healthy you are. For sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, there was there's an also an, another study, so a second study, but I oh, was nice. able to come. Find. Um, yeah, so this one's looking at similar, uh, just from a slightly different angle. So it's childhood obesity's relationship to the time spent in sedentary behavior. Uh, and the, the findings found that there was a significant relationship between childhood obesity and computer usage, television watching, total hours spent sedentary, so i.e. sitting down, and also BMI which is how we determine obese, mm. obesity. Uh, an indirect significant relationship, however, with childhood obesity was also shown if a parent was home when the child got home from school. So that could imply, therefore, that if the parent's at home when the child arrives back from school, mm. then they, they, the parent may be able to sort of um, provide an intervention or interject yeah. what the child may do. Um, I think the study was conducted on, yeah, 9 to 12-year-olds, school children. So, you know, they may be going to the shop after their day at school and buying some sweets or whatever. So basically having a parent at home is more likely to prevent them from, well, there's, it's an indirect link, basically, with, with obesity. Um, and also, if a father participated in exercise with their child also had an indirect significant relationship with obesity in children. So therefore that implies that if, if the parent has an engagement in physical activity and exercise, yeah. that will have an effect on the child and, and their behaviors for sure. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Like we, we all learn from our parents, don't we? Um, yeah. So it is who you surround yourself with or like, you know, who is, you know, you're surrounded by. Um, yeah. And yeah. They often, you're, you're, the, you're the fifth person that you spend the, uh, no, how, what's the saying? It's you're one of the five that you spend the most time with, I think. Hmm. That's what they say. Yeah. yeah. So, if you, so if you look at um, an average of the five people that you socialize with the most, 
you're one of the five basically so mm. it's all about becoming aware of your surroundings and who you're engaging with basically yeah no that's a good paper um and yeah, it does ring a bell because I, I, I remember. Do you remember? That, do you remember that psychology paper we wrote last year? Um, yes. I remember, yeah. it was about. I think I did mine on obesity um, as well. I'm yeah, just I trying did. to remember. Um, I think more on like the child. There was something definitely in it about Clark et al. That's it. I remember it now. Is um, actually, let me see. Clark et al. 2007. It's like how do parents' child feeding behaviors influence child weight? Um, and yeah, that was quite a good paper. I don't remember it off the top of my head exactly what's in it, but it's just, you know, exactly what you mentioned as well. It's just to support your point that um, I think you mentioned in there that the child, uh, let me try and find it here. So, yeah, an individual's upbringing would affect the subjective norm. So the norm is, you know, it's what you're used to around you. So. You know, if yeah. if your upbringing was like, oh, it's okay to eat this food, it's okay to you know eat like burgers and that and chips and fries, whatever, um, then that would be your subjective norm. You'll think that's normal, and then yeah. throughout your life, like you just stick to that because that's what you're used to. And I think it's important to understand that you know it might be hard for some people who's you know had that subjective norm where you know on you know fast food is like normal to them and it's hard for them to change. So I think that was one big challenge um, for people to change because, you know, changing sub their subjective norm. So any suggestion, um, you know, that they could try maybe? Any ideas you've got? Yeah, I think because in psychology, there's, there's a module at university that Mikey and I did last year. Yeah. Uh, and it was looking at psychology. And in particular, there was a couple of lectures surrounding the area of how to maximize adherence. And of course, the idea of adherence can be applied to, to diet change or to a certain lifestyle um, habits such as smoking or, in, in our case, in diets and or physical activity. But basically, what, we've, what, we, what we found was it's all about perception of control that one has um, and, you know, the more control that you can, you it's all about perceived behavioural control, so the more control that you perceive that you have over a situation, mm -hmm. the more likely you're able to adhere to that change. Um, so there's motivational techniques which require thinking, yeah. and these revolve around the area of beliefs and attitudes, social factors such as injunctive and descriptive norms. So yeah, what you were saying, Mikey, kind of the, injun the injunctive norms being friends and family mm -hmm. to encourage um, and that can support you injunctively. And there's also descriptive norms, which is, I think, what you're kind of alluding to, whereby other people are doing this, and so therefore that we should too. So it's it's kind of a external influencer as mm. to looking at other other people doing, and then we conclude that to or perceive that to be the norm. Yeah, that's it. Well summarised, yeah. actually. That's that's a really good explanation. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's all right. Um, <laughs> Creating intentions such as, I think the term was if-then planning. So if I get stressed, then I will turn to this. Mm. So it's all about creating a list, as many as possible ideally, because then you have more if-thens to turn to. So, and this is actually used to prevent relapse from occurring. 
mm. sort of about creating tensions. And it's actually used often in, dr- in drug therapy, um, trying to get people coming from being heavily addicted to drugs and into kind of getting them off it over time, of course. But so if then planning, it can be done. So you identify something that causes you um, or an increased chance of going to that poor behavior that you're trying to rectify and then providing an event, so a solution that you can do um, instead of doing that, basically. And you train that psychologically to, to get you into that habit. Uh, so there are the motivational techniques and kind of just in short, there's also uh, volitional techniques which mm. involve the doing. So action planning, similar to what I just said there, um, coping plans in an event of contingency, i.e. when something goes wrong. So there's some various things that we can try and do. Um, I don't know if you wanted to kind of expand upon any of those, Mikey, but, you know, there's, there's various things that we can do on an individual level, on a society level, and on an industri- industry level. Um, so individually, we can encourage the use of physical activity to overcome obesity. That could be a potential solution. Mm-hmm. The current guidelines recommended by the uh, ACSM, I believe, are 150 minutes of exercise a week. So just over a couple of hours of exercise a week. Um, and that can be done uh, at a moderate intensity, or we can do 75 minutes of exercise at a vigorous intensity, mm. getting that heart rate nice and high. Um, also, healthier options at eye level. That's something I noted down in the lecture once. So often you'll notice in shops and supermarkets a lot of food that is typically sort of not the best for us is displayed at a level that resides parallel with our eyesight mm. now the reason why that is the case is because obviously the, the the company wants to make more money and it's it's bad but it's from a business point of view that's it's a tactic to try and get us to to see what you know, to see those products more visually um society then so um to increase the availability of healthier options and more exposure um, to those options. So, for example, Jamie Oliver is someone uh, in in the sort of in the realms of trying to to reduce obesity, particularly among children as well. So, his sort of philosophy, in short, is all about you know those fifteen minute meals that provides quick, healthy um, recipes for the nation that can be done. So that's a sort of society way. And then finally, an industry solution are things such as affordable options and alternatives. It's all about responsible marketing as well, mm. um, such as food labelling, you know, the, the traffic light system, so the red, the amber, the green, so that individuals can actually be more aware and more informed as to the, the nutritional values of the foods that they're consuming. Mm. And this new uh, sort of government policy that's been introduced quite recently regarding the no-added sugar um, sort of policy as well so there's there's lots that can can be done but ultimately and fundamentally it's down to the individual because unlike a lot of things in life diet is perhaps the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that you have maximal control over you know no one's forcing food down your throat you have ultimate control over that Mm. Um, maybe that sort of the hardest part about it 
perhaps who knows that's really good yeah and um and i completely agree um that you've got full control over your diet and it's a matter of um, motivation really like how determined are you to sort your diet out um because we you know especially in first world countries you'll never you know too far away from a grocery store or um you know somewhere that sells you food really and um and going back to the traffic light system that you mentioned that's really really good if you Go to the shop and you look at the tin cans or whatever you're going to buy. Look at the traffic light. They will tell you at an instance, you know, what the macronutrients uh, content of that or like just any nutrient, nutritional information about that product is. And sometimes um, I find myself looking at, I don't know, let's say a bag of crumpets or whatever or like any other product. They don't have it color coded. And I'll say be very, very specific and actually look at the percentage uh, reference intake or uh, recommended intake whatever it's called um, because if it's not color coded your mind automatically just switches off when you see color you know your mind switches on you're like oh red is bad danger you know it's natural it's instinctive right green is go you know and amber is like okay um, and yeah when when they don't have the color coded or traffic light system labels your mind just switches off so pay more attention because there might be things that you might miss I've done it so many times where I go to the shop I'm like oh you know, it's you know, in my head, I'm like, this this seems relatively healthy. It's just bread, or like, it's just it's just cheese, or whatever. And then I I go buy it, and I go home, I eat it, and then once you know, if I well, I used to track my macros, I look at it, I'm like, you know what, this is actually not that good for me. Um, mm. You know, they got me to pay for it and purchase it, and now I've got it, and I'm gonna eat it. <laughs> so, pay really you know deep attention. Um, because companies will probably try and hide, you know, information from you, you know, to drive sales and marketing and stuff like that. Um, it's just how it is at the moment. So just be more careful uh, in terms of, you know, purchasing that product and definitely look, look into the ingredients as well. I think it's all about kind of extending on the, from that point, Mikey. You're absolutely right. It's just about being aware and being mindful. Um, and actually, I was talking to a client of mine today about what we can do to try and increase our level of awareness about the foods that we're actually consuming. Well, I think you've, you've probably used it before, Mikey, but it's an app called MyFitnessPal, and you know it's very easy to use, it's very simple. You can, you know, if you get stuck on it, just YouTube MyFitnessPal, there's hundreds of videos out there. Um, so yeah, it's called MyFitnessPal, and basically you use a barcode scanner. So for every product or item of food and or drink that we consume, we can quite literally use the barcode scanner and it will give us very, you know, instantaneously uh, a full sort of nutritional um, background as to the, the nutrients involved, including mm -hmm. vitamins, minerals, carbohydrate percentages, protein percentages, and fats, etc. So yeah, my fitness pal, give it a go. It's free to download, and like I say, it's very easy to use. But yeah, definitely a really good tool to add to your, um, your, you know, your phone. Everyone's got a phone now these days, so. And it doesn't even take up much uh, storage space as well. And yeah, again, it's just a habit. It's a habit and it's just being more mindful. And an advice I'll give about MyFitnessPal is that, you know, don't worry about being on it forever because um, you're not going to be, you know, scanning or tracking your food forever. Just do it for like a month, two months, three months, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. And then you build up this like knowledge, you know, because every time you scan a food, you know, you see the macronutrients content you know, displayed for you on the app. You sort of take it in, you know, a bit of information and you roughly know, you know, how much calories is in that food. So I'll say once you get into that habit, 
uh, and you come off the habit, you know a lot more about nutrition, you know a lot more about food, and you could sort of like just look at something in the in the supermarket, and be like, okay, I'll know roughly how much you know calorie that is, or you know how much macros that's going to give me. Um, you know, one of the first things I've ever looked at was how much protein's in an egg, and that stuck with me. That one egg is usually about six grams of protein, so it's just something that you just know now, and you just get used to it. Yeah, for sure. And I think the biggest, I mean, I, I did this a couple of summers ago for, for the first time. And what I found is I wasn't, it may be the case for some other people as well, but it was really eye-opening more than anything because actually I found that I wasn't actually eating enough. Mm. You, you can type in your goals and your current weight and your height and it kind of gives you um, sort of a recommended calorie intake, um, etc. But it turns out that actually I was under-eating. And that wasn't corresponding with my goals because I wanted to add size and, and muscle mass, which of course is impossible when you don't have the energy in your body. So I had to increase my calorie intake, and yeah, it, it just was very eye-opening. Yeah, some people yeah. find the same, and they may find that actually uh, they're over-consuming because of all the, the liquid fats that they're consuming. You know, oil, for example, is something that's very sort of hidden because obviously you don't really think about it. It's just a bit mm. of oil, but over time that does add up. So yeah, I think more than anything, the use of the app is just very eye-opening to say the least. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to go to the next, next level, um, I personally haven't really done this um, before, but you could possibly track your fluid intake. And I mean by water, because water is your best friend. Like, it's, no, it's, it's not Lucasade, it's not you know any other sports drink, it's not Red Bull. Water is your best friend. Nothing hydrates you more than water, right? And um, and yeah, just having the right amounts of intake, it will definitely make a huge difference. Obviously, it's going to vary uh, depending on what you eat throughout the day, as well as the temperature or where you live. So if, let's say you live near the equator and it's really hot, you obviously need more water. You lose more water. Uh, and, you know, colder countries, you know, you sweat less. You might not need as much. But overall, water is so key. Um, yeah, yeah. Any, any comment on that, George, as well, in terms of fluids? So, yeah, water, yeah, I couldn't preach it enough myself. It's all I've ever drunk since birth. Um, not through strict choice, just because I've, in all honesty, not really um, the idea of drinking a fluid that isn't sort of neutral in nature doesn't really appeal to me. Mm. Having said that, I, you know, I do occasionally have a milkshake or a hot chocolate or whatever, oh, but, but yeah, no, <laughs> I've always drink water, and I still do to this day. Yeah. But um, yeah, and uh, definitely recommend as soon as you wake up, drink because you have been asleep, my friend, and you just need to get some water in you. So drink as yeah. soon as you wake up. I don't know, maybe a couple hundred milliliters. I like to get like I don't know, three, four hundred uh, milliliters in me. Straight, you know, as soon as I wake up, and then I know that I'm rehydrated my body. You know, from yeah. a couple of you know like seven to eight hours of sleep. So. Um, and you have to keep, it, keep it up throughout it the day. Yeah, definitely keep it up throughout the day. Uh, For sure. And yeah, anything else you'd like to add, George? Uh, Any advice for the audience? In your, yeah, in your pursuit, if you know, if this is something you're serious about um, in terms of losing weight, um, in your pursuit to to reaching your goal, just be be uh, steady, be consistent. You know, mm. don't. Don't try and lose five kilograms a week because that's not realistic. Yeah. Keep your goals smart, as they say, you know, specific, yeah. uh, measurable, achievable, realistic, all of that stuff. But, you know, I recommend maybe a pound a week, 
give or take 0.5. Just whatever it is, create a realistic goal, um, and that's only going to increase your adherence as well. Yeah. And um, and yes, coming from that point as well, um, I was listening to a motivational video recently, and um, it's, it's you know it said something really true. Is that you know success is like daily you know little daily sets of tasks. It's not just this one big thing you do and then your life will change forever. Rarely big things, you know, aren't around the corner that much. Um, but if you do something daily, you know, in little chunks, it's going to add up and it's going to make a big change for you. It's that, you know, it's that little walk to the gym. It's that, you know, quiet meditation in the morning or it's that, you know, little little things you do, you know, drinking water in the morning, every single morning. Um I'm taking omega-3 tablets, whatever it is, the little things will add up. It's not one big thing you do, like I'm going to eat so perfectly for today and just hit my macro spot on 110%. Um, that, and then the next day you go off it and then you do your own thing again. Um, but yeah, definitely, like you said, it's just consistency and you know, just being steady, I think you put it, which is really good, being steady with your nutrition. You don't want to fluctuate too much. Mikey, I couldn't have said that better myself. Yeah. That was perfect. Yeah, well explained. Mm, thank you. Good. Yeah, cheers. Cool. Well, yeah, anything else you'd like to add? Or? No, no, that's everything from me. Yeah, perfect. Uh, you guys been able to kind of take, take some notes, take some ideas. Again, as always, be open. Try it. If it doesn't work, try something else. Um, the important thing is that we keep moving forward and keep making progress. That's it, so, yeah. Yeah. Only move thank forward. You. That's it. Yeah, so where can the big world find you then, George? Sure, so yeah, as always, my Instagram, uh, George W. Fit. Give me a follow, that's George W. Fit. I'd love to see um, what you guys think about my profile and similarly back at you as well. You know, let me see what sort of stuff you guys produce. Um, I'm all about creating impact as much as I can and giving you guys as much knowledge as as I as I can kind of provide you guys. So yeah, that's that's me, George W. Fit. Uh, give me a follow. And Mikey, what about you? Yeah, so you guys can find me at, uh, on Instagram, Mikey Lau. So M I K E Y Y L A U. And I'll have some decent content on there. Usually, I've sorted my story out recently, so all my highlights has got like icons and covers on it now. Uh, it's nothing too fancy, but yeah, just go check it out. I've got papers on kettlebell training, you know, functional training. And yeah, just have a little read. And I also do have like um, other stuff on my post as well, like um, recipes, as well as um, 60 second guide. But, um, but yeah, and you know, when you get bored of my stuff, you could go have a look at George's or you know, vice versa. And you know, he does really good content. He's uploaded a really good workout recently, so I recommend that. Um, so yeah, what, what was in that workout actually? Um, just give it a little tease for the audience. Was this so? The, the latest one is actually a stretching sort of uh, follow along video. Yeah, there um, you go. Yeah, it's got some nice sort of Zen music in the background as well. So if you're into that sort of stuff, give it a watch. But yeah, yeah, it's quite nice. Definitely, um, really good uh, video. So check it out. Uh, thank you, man. It's yeah. alright, man. Yeah. I was looking at your story actually, Mikey, um, on Instagram. Your your Instagram story about some of the research that you're doing. I think that's really encouraging. Oh, I appreciate, it, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah. I have to kind of look into that a bit more in detail when I get some time. Yeah. Okay, okay nice. good stuff. That's it. But, um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, really appreciate uh, your time and attention. But, uh, but yeah, we'll, um, we'll keep uploading uh, as usual sure. and stay in touch.
Yeah. Thanks very much, guys. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Take care.